This is Mindset Rx, the podcast made especially for leaders, CEOs, and spiritual entrepreneurs who have ADHD or think they might. It's also for those of you who are asking big questions like, is this all there is? What's next? And what's my purpose? I'm your host, Dr. Robin McKay. I'm an award-winning psychologist and author, spiritual advisor to leaders in tech, healthcare, and entrepreneurship, and I'm a dog mom to my golden doodle puppy, Cooper Mac. Oh, and by the way, I also happen to have ADHD too. You can count on me and my world-class guests to bring you divine prescriptions for making the best of your brain, maximizing your strengths, and recalibrating your perspective so you can lean into your highest potential. See, I believe that neurodiverse, intuitive, intelligent leaders like you and me are wired for this time. We're here to create a new world for ourselves and other people. So it's time to anchor in and bring our visions into reality. Ready? Let's go. Welcome back to the podcast. I'm so happy that you've joined us today. I have a really special guest. I've been looking so forward to having her join us today. B. Jackson is a respected thought leader, author, keynote speaker, and mentor. Known for her authenticity and transparency, she has over 84,000 online followers who gather to learn from her wisdom, observations, and studies on topics related to the healing and personal development of women. She's been an entrepreneur since 2001. You're like one of the OGs in this space, I think, in entrepreneurship for sure, and is, a dedicated, is dedicated to creating businesses that serve the needs of women and girls. And so we have some things in common there with my my passion for that too. I'm so happy to have you here. Good morning. The same. I'm so glad to be here. Thank you for the invite. You're welcome. Well, let's go ahead and dive in. And I would love to hear just first of all, kind of your perspective on neurodiversity, entrepreneurship, girls and women, kind of that intersection is where we're going to spend some time today. Okay, awesome. Yeah, it's such an interesting topic. And as you know, I've only recently kind of come out of the closet about it. Um, And quite honestly, I think that um, for a long time, I think I was just in denial about a lot of it. You know what I mean? Just a denial about why you're so quote unquote different. (laughs) And why you don't think like the others. And I was just telling my daughter um, the other day, it's like, oh my God, I look back even as like, a 12 year old, 11 year old, and even someone who was uh, identified as being gifted and talented, how even then I didn't fit in with the gifted and talented Mm -hmm. children, right? Mm -hmm. Because we're talking about, you know, children that made A's in school and they can digest information, but I was the one who saw past it, right? And still was kind of the the weirdo kid in the classroom. And uh, I was telling her about how like, you know, the kids would tease me a bit. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And so my teacher, Miss Marilyn Wilson, who I just adore even to this day. It's always that one teacher who she asked me to step outside of the room and she talked to the children about why you treat B the way that you treat B. And they didn't give her any answers. And so when I was brought back into the room, she asked them again and they were just speechless. And I said, I can tell you why. I can tell you why they treat me that way. And I just started telling the children started preaching to the children and telling them about how they're not truly gifted and talented because if they were and so you look back and you see this this strangeness right these oddities showing up very early in life and wait uh, what did you tell them do you remember 
I, I told them that they were not gifted and talented because if they were, they would understand that the differences are actually what made us better and that they, you can learn from me the same way that I can learn from you and just all the things. And I remember Miss Wilson, her mouth was just like, well, okay. But, on that, but from that day forward, I didn't have any more problems with that, those kids. Um, but like, I think, you know, these things show up very, very early in life and then life happens and we suppress and we hide and we mask because innately we do want to fit in. We do want to be a part of the in group. We do want to be accepted, but these, these differences make it difficult. They do make it difficult. I think we talk about it in Gifted and Talented as twi being twice exceptional, yeah. having a very bright intellect and then having something go else going on in the brain, whether it's ADHD, autism spectrum disorder, mood disorders, um, anything like that that creates um, a situation where you, I say you have to mask, but I don't think that, at least for me, when I look back on my own ADHD story, um, I didn't mask because I was like, ooh, there's something wrong with me. I just masked because I could. Yeah. I just had enough brain power to be able to kind of mitigate any of the big, the, most of the big things that might've come up had I not been so smart. I probably couldn't have gotten my way out of some of the things just based on you know, making decisions and, um, being late for things and kind of charming my way out of things that maybe if I hadn't had that intellectual capability, wouldn't have been able to do. Does that make sense? It makes sense and it resonates fully the same. You know what I mean? It wasn't top of mind. It was basically just um, observing and understanding patterns and knowing how to um, finesse those things. Um, mm -hmm. So some almost like an, an automatic response to wow, the word that comes up or the term that comes up is self-preserve. And so masking yeah. just becomes just an automatic response to self-preserve. And so, and I know that there's so many of us that don't have that ability to, but it takes so much energy to do it. It's so draining. Um, you know, on top of, I, you know, I have ADHD as well, and I'm also spiritually intuitive. And um, I told you about, you know, when I was uh, in sixth grade and I had all of these home life issues going on. So you just have all of this, stimuli and the, all of the tabs that are always open and processing information and seeing things and experiencing things and um, honing in on all of the, the twitches in people's faces, the tone in their voice, like it's a lot. It's, it's a, a lot. lot. And when you yeah. have that intuition and you have a, a family system that is yeah. dysfunctional, disruptive, whatever, I remember I, I have a friend who has ADHD is intuitive like we are and mm -hmm. would say that she could tell by the way her mom closed the door how she needed to be for the rest of the night just something as simple as that or that as you said just that little very subtle yeah. quirk in the face that might set might, might set the tone for the rest of the evening and so yeah there there are all of these kind of nuances and I think that's one of the gifts of ADHD actually is we're scanning constantly yeah constantly it can be a and reading power. the room yeah it can reading. be it can be Go oh, ahead. please I'm sorry no just um just having it be a superpower in terms of looking at the nuances and reading the space and being able to really read people and understand the problem with that is when you understand how you 
need to be in order to preserve yourself. Sometimes you're not giving yourself full expression because oh, yeah. you're setting you're, you're setting the tone for not rocking the boat, for staying safe, and that's an important thing at some point to a point. And then when you become an adult, what happens if you continue that pattern? Yeah, um, so so true. And um, quite honestly, you know, it's so interesting this this journey. Because like I was saying, these things show up very early. We try to hide, but we can't. You know what I mean? We're like the, the red ball in, in a sea of blue balls, <laughs> right? <laughs> um, but it's showing up anyway, and we're trying to stay small. At least I did. I tried to stay as small as I could. But then your giftings and your talented, talents, other people recognize them. And so they reach in to access them. Um, and so, you know, trying to be accepted, trying to be valuable, trying to do all the things. For me personally, I found myself just going on this winding road of being led by other people's ideas mm -hmm. and their life patterns and just all of the things, wanting to fit in somewhere and, you know, wanting someone to tell me, well, who I, who am I in this world? You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. <laughs> what am I supposed to be in this world? Now they, they see the things, they see the speaking. They see, the, they see all of the things that are beneficial to them. And they're more than willing to let you give them all of your good stuff, right? Mm -hmm. While you figure it out. But at some particular point, you get tired. And in January, matter of fact, it was January 7th, 2020. I got so freaking tired of myself um, and masking and hiding behind other women who um, were owning their stuff and owning their voice. And I had been using my voice, but I was using it in service to other people's programs and different things like that. And I got so tired. And I just decided to out myself on Facebook. And I just, I pressed the camera. I call it the F it button. I pressed the F it, okay? <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> when I, when I want to stop myself from thinking, overthinking, and ah, oh, I just press the F it button. It's just like, okay, I'm on. Now you can't hide now. Mm -hmm. And so I get on Facebook and I'm very tearful. And this is like, it was so raw. It was unscripted. It was, uh, I can't do this anymore. You all think that I am so confident about everything, but I can't help the way that I show up. I've been showing up like this since I got here. I'm not as confident as I think, as you think. I'm afraid of you all. I'm afraid of you all that if you really truly know that I think divergently, that you're gonna reject me. But I'm so sick of this because I have things that I need to say. And there's, there's people that are waiting for me to show up and I'm not showing up even for myself. So even what you think is so great about me, I'm not impressed because I know the truth. And I said, I'm so tired of this and I'm hiding and this is my coming out day. And I'm gonna allow you to see me get free of this. And I called it, um, it was just a random thing that came up in my spirit. I said, I have rejection codes. I have been coded with rejection, but I can't do that anymore. I can't keep rejecting myself because I'm afraid that you're gonna reject me, but I'm rejecting myself, so that's worse. And so I said, that's it, I'm coming out. 
I don't know how this is going to go, but I'm done. And I'm going to show up in all of my glory, whatever that looks like. Right. <laughs> and so people have been watching me just break out of my shell for the last two and a half years. And doing so ended up um, being what a lot of people needed, not just myself. And um, ended up building this huge audience around a very taboo topic, the mother wound, and how that affects us um, as women, my audience is women, but I had to do it afraid and I had to do it just getting tired of being, no, I was gonna say of being suppressed. No, tired of suppressing myself. You've gotta get tired. I've got tears. Um, I just felt this welling of emotion as I was listening to you. The the rejection of self is something I think is so prevalent around people who are spiritually intelligent, neurodiverse, um, and really quite good at making ourselves fit in, yeah. making ourselves appear to be one way. Be I call it the chameleon syndrome. Good word, yeah. You know, but I think that th there's so much freedom in stepping into the light of just being yourself. There is. Because then you get to find out, like, you're aware of what you know, right? When we're hiding and we're being that chameleon, we're aware of how we feel in our body. The people around us are not aware because we're making them feel good. We're putting, a lot, we're putting a lot of energy and effort into making sure that they're comfortable with our differences, making sure that they don't know it because they're gonna feel uncomfortable if they do, right? You know, neurodiversity yeah. included with also being spiritually intuitive, right? Right, because you know, I was just thinking, I was just thinking that, I don't know if this happened for you, but when I was a kid, I, I would so easily imitate other people's accents even. Like without even consciously, and my, I would come home, my friend Anne lived in Atlanta. So she had a real Southern accent and I would come home from seeing her and I would have a Southern accent. My mom's like, what just happened? Wow. <laughs> she would say, can't you just be yourself? But that was actually part of being myself was being able to kind of integrate into whatever social circles I was in or whatever kind of region of the world I was in when I spent time in Europe I came back and I was calling baseball games matches and my, mm. my husband was like Robert, what are you doing like it just became part of my my being just because I had been in that environment and when you're so open which if you're spiritually intuitive you're open to experiences you're going to be taking on yeah. a lot of other people's energies projections and just the just the way of being in a certain culture world I think we would have made good spies in another lifetime probably yeah oh definitely <laughs> definitely yeah I didn't do the um the voice thing but I did I did try to mimic their bodies um how mm. they handled how they carried their bodies because I was um as a young person even as a teenager even on the job when I worked for people the even when I was in church my god when I was in church you know I'm happy yeah. ass heathen I don't know if I could say that word I'm happy ass heathen okay so especially <laughs> independent um but when I was in church even that became a problem and I was literally told that the way that I carried my body was offensive to people oh um yeah that um, it made me um, unapproachable 
And so, um, mm. and I guess that was a time that I was forgetting that I was supposed to be small. Um, mm. Because when I was younger, I realized that I had to kind of, you know, not carry my head so high and keep my head a little low and keep my body kind of a little lower. Um, and it's not that I was trying to walk with confidence or trying to walk like I belonged. Really what that's really, I think innately that's what it was. It was just, that was just my way of being, but even that made people uncomfortable. And I remember when my, um, one of the pastors had told me about that. She said, the your way that you carry your body even, ugh, she said, perception is stronger than fact. I still remember it like it was yesterday. Perception is stronger than fact. I know you are this and that, but the perception is. And so from that particular point, I picked out a person in the church who I knew that people really were very, oh, that's so interesting. I'm just thinking this out. My ADHD brain is going there. I'm so with you. People would come to me directly for spiritual matters, directly. They would bypass the pastors one time, even literally asking the pastors for me, not you. I want her. I didn't know who this person was. And here I am trying to find who is the most influential person in the church. Let me mimic her body and how she carries herself and um, try to give off that energy. And now I am my mother's daughter, okay? I'm the quintessential black woman, okay? I have an ample bootay, all right? So, <laughs> and so I found myself kind of hunching my back over a little bit because I'm trying to, to, um, to mimic this particular pastor, hunching over a little bit, sucking in my backside, poking out my mm. pelvis, and so it was a sight to be seen, <laughs> just trying to carry my body like the person who had the influence, but who was not um, as, um, gave off the air of being too big. That's the word. The person that people felt more comfortable with the body presentation, I would try to mimic that. The most awkward thing in the world. Well, and when you're spiritually intelligent, and what I mean by that is you have the capacity to alter your consciousness and the consciousness of other people in, in high service for them. So in the service of healing transformation, um, and you have an innate wisdom and innate knowing in your divine connection. When you're in church, that's real uncomfortable yeah. for people who I've, I've had those experiences too, where I've had leadership say, in fact, recently, You'll love this. I was sharing with one of my friends who's a Christian woman. Um, I, I had an existential crisis recently about the whole state of the world. Like I'm just like, it's really been, it's been a few months ago and I've resolved it to a great degree, but it was one of those moments I was sharing with her, you know, privately and, you know, as a, a friend, friend to friend that this was what was going on for me. And, and I said, and what finally helped me is I was praying and God spoke to me and said, I'm not abandoning this earth and I'm not abandoning my children and you're my hands at my feet. And she came back at me and she said, well, I would just caution you that God does not talk to people. <laughs> I was like, what? <laughs> and, you know, so we, we laugh about it, but it was one of those moments where, you know, that intimacy, that, yeah. that those, those turning point moments in your life. And when you get that back to you, it teaches you a whole lot about who the person is that you're sharing that with. So that was a bad share on my part, but it also was a big lesson about like, who's, 
is my wisdom not welcome here? Is the wisdom that I receive not welcome here? So it's really creating some, some questions for me about next steps. Does that make sense? Oh, perfectly makes sense. Um, it's so interesting, like, like you said, um, your wisdom and insight in those settings oftentimes is acceptable to the degree that it still remains in their realm of understandability, right? Mm -hmm. Because oftentimes I found personally that I am functioning in the faith and in the quote unquote miracles, which I don't even believe that those things exist. It's just the way things are truly, mm -hmm. but I'm functioning in those miracles here. Um, but the minute that you get an, a revelation or understanding about different things that, that go outside of the agreed upon uh, narrative, then it's a problem. Even though you, know, you are a leader and you're leading people and you're trusted with the hearts of the people and you're trusted to interpret this word and different things like that. Um, yeah, it's such an interesting thing. Because I, um, and I've never shared this publicly before. I'll go ahead and share it here since we're talking about church. Okay. Um, <laughs> and I still have Little a lot church. of church. Yes. <laughs> and I still have a lot of friends that, um, you know, are still in the church and new friends because my old friends kind of just ditch me because I'm just like, I'm unacceptable now. Um, but I actually um, walked into the church building one day coming from my normal duties, like I was everything, you know, lay pastoring, spiritual, personal training. Um, that was my title and one of the, um, one of many. And so I walk into the building this one day and I'm coming to work and I'm just fully open. And there was no reason, no logical reason for me to be downloaded with the things I was being downloaded with in that moment. And I said, oh my God. And I said, I can't do this anymore. And I remember my daughter was right there also. Like it was a real pivotal moment because there was no reason for it. I call it the switch being turned off, Yeah. right? Like when I'm like, this is my life. I love it here. I feel welcome here. I feel normal here. I feel accepted here. I want to be here every day, you know, and I'm preaching and I'm talking on stages and I'm working with women and all the things that I love and I'm serving God and all the things. And all of a sudden out of the blue, my switch goes off like an internal switch. And I was aware in that moment that in that place for me, there was no God in that place in that moment for me just talking about just awakenings and so I'm thinking okay it has to be a fluke it has to be a fluke and then that next Sunday um, my family drives up drives up and I get out early to go to my post to work like I normally do and something inside said walk around the building don't go in the building walk around this is the mega church by the way it's like 20,000 people um, but we were not little people in the church, like people, everybody knew us. We don't know you, but they knew us. Okay. Knew my family. And so something said, walk around the building. So that's what I did. I walked around the building and I'm taking all in all of this new information from the same stimuli. Um, and I, you know, won't get into all the details because the story will be longer than, than it needs to be. Um, but then I went inside of the cafeteria and I did a 360 and I just look around and I'm like, oh God. Like what I thought was going to be my life forever, it was done. 
And so I ended up leaving after a long time because my husband, my ex, now ex-husband was not in agreement. He's like, what do you mean? You preach, this is what you do. I'm like, yeah, no, I don't. Like it's, it's done. God is not here. God is not here. I was understanding at that time to being it's in me. It's a part of me. And in some aspects is me. I didn't, couldn't articulate it like that at that time. And so he was confused. And so me trying to let the man lead, like, you know, we we're talking to, <laughs> I tried to go along with that. And so I was suffering for six months. Like, oh my God, like, why are we here? Why are we here? And so I quit all of my posts and I told them, I don't, I, I'm here, but I'm not, I'm just waiting for my husband. I'm not a teacher. I'm not a leader. Take me off the schedule of everything. And I was so insulted because instead of just taking me off, they tried to give me a promotion. Whoa. They tried to promote me and I was so disgusted. I'm like, I just told you. <laughs> anyway, so. So they gave you the, they offered you the opposite of it. Yes, the opposite. I'm like, no, this is not, this is not how this is done. Like I'm, I'm done. I'm here, but I'm not, you didn't understand. So I just, I just lost a lot of respect. And so, um, but I figured this is my life. This is what I do. This is what I'm called to do. This is how I lead people. This is how I show them their way to God. So surely I'm still in the faith. So I actually ended up leaving the church and trying to start a church in my home, <laughs> um, which was like difficult for a lot of people because you're, you're not supposed to do that. You know, your husband's supposed to do that. Well, that's not his thing. It's just not his thing. It never has been. But And what I found was that <clears throat> actually doing the scriptures inside of a house, the people didn't want that. They didn't want that. And so I said, don't, don't come back. I'm going to the streets. I'm going to the streets. And I literally went to the streets with all of the, the food that they didn't want. And I didn't always preach to people. I was led by who to talk to and who not to talk to. And it took uh, three years after going through this process and understanding and going through the most difficult physically, emotionally, I'm just starting to understand why I was thinking of something this morning. I came almost to near psychosis because I had a spiritual awakening by coming out of the church. And Robin, I have never shared that anywhere with anybody outside of my household. And it was the best thing that ever happened because all of the things that were beliefs were no longer beliefs. They were true and I was seeing them and experiencing them for myself. But then when you come out of that, now you have to go back into masking. <laughs> So this, the spiritual awakening, <laughs> I think that, so here's what's occurring to me is that spiritually intelligent, neurodivergent yeah. women who wake up are viewed as, well, let's just say this in past generations, we would have been in an insane asylum. Mm -hmm. We would have been sent to Freud for psychotherapy, right? Mm -hmm. um, there's something wrong with you these spiritual awakenings that you have when you just know that you know that you know. And the hardest thing I think is after a spiritual awakening is that you have to go back into the 
normal, the no, I'm saying normal world, yeah. but the regular world. And I remember one of my teachers told me when I had a, not an experience that's similar to yours, but my own version of the awakening, mm -hmm. she said, you know what you do before enlightenment, you chop wood and you carry water. And you know what you do after you chop wood and you carry water. And that's the hardest thing, but you chop wood and you carry water on the other side of an awakening awake. Yeah, totally awake. So how long ago was that? That Just a was a timeline. Um, that was, um, I left the church building in 2013. I officially left the faith in 2016 and that happened in 2016. Okay. And, um, and yeah, you're right. In some communities, we would actually be seen um, as very, all of these things that were showing up as children would be identified and you would be nurtured and cared mm -hmm. for with how to then um, amplify and magnify that gift. Um, yes. Here, again, you would be in an insane asylum, right? Mm -hmm. But it just makes you, it makes you more aware. It makes you more compassionate. It makes you more understanding but you do have to pretend now that you're asleep. And I have only just, just like neurodivergence, it's kind of, it's so interesting because I've only just decided to come out of the closet and decided to kind of go back in. And what, <laughs> and what I mean by that is, yeah, telling you in advance that this is how I communicate feels like masking to me. And I don't want to feel uncomfortable in my body at all. Mm -hmm. So you're going to get all this and hopefully you still rock with me, but I'm not going to give you the disclaimer of how my brain works, okay? You're either gonna be a compassionate, decent, understanding individual and still want to do business and receive from me, or you don't, that's okay. So now I'm back in the closet. I'm not hiding. I'm just not, you know, saying, hey, my name is B. Jackson. And, I'm, <laughs> and, yeah. I'm and I have 88, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's so, because I've been doing these interviews with women from all walks of life who, who are neurodivergent, are successful spiritual entrepreneurs and business leaders. And you know how much we talk about ADHD yeah. in these interviews about as much as you and I have. Yeah. I mean, it just is, it's like, we don't have to be stuck in the symptoms. We don't have to be stuck in the problems. We don't have to be stuck in the challenges. I, I belong to an ADHD group. I kind of watch what's going on in an ADHD group on one of the um, social media platforms. And there's a whole lot of the opposite of that. Yeah. There's a whole lot of people who are really, and I can see there's, they're still probably asleep. They're struggling just with daily functioning as a human being. And um, I like what we're doing here because it's, it's um, an up-leveled perspective on what it means to have a brain that's different from most people. Yeah. And just how we, how we speak and how we think. And, and maybe it's just to normalize if we want to call it that, Yeah. but this is how things are done. This is how we think about things. Right. It's how we think about things and it's okay. And you necessarily need us to come out of the closet, right? Oh, for you, sure. You need us to come out of the closet. You need these divergent ideas. I was um, working on a team. Someone happened to work on their team, um, multi-million dollar business. Um, and so I was had to work on the team to give new ideas and new insights to help that particular um, entrepreneur go, go higher. And so um, what I found, though, was with the team that I was working with, they, there wasn't an appreciation for divergent ideas. Like when, when ideas would come up, they would say, 
it was almost like, no, it wasn't almost like, here I am trying to protect people that are not even here, right? <laughs> people that I don't have relationships well, with. Well, yes, of course, because that's what we do. We have right? to make Just it okay for them. Everybody. <laughs> um, and so, but the truth is, is that they were fearful of the very ideas. And I'm thinking, well, this is what we were hired for. And they said, well, that person's going to choose anyway. They're going to choose for themselves. But of course, but should not we give them the cream of the crop of all of these different ideas? Why would we give them what they have already been um, sifting through? Is it have, isn't that an indication that they have already come to their limit? Why are you wanting to, the word that's coming up, I'm, I'm trying not to mask here, is kowtow. Why would you want to do that? when you were hired specifically for your brand of genius, each of us were, so let's bring it and then let the person sift through it and then, then I, but don't, don't hold back your genius because it looks so different. And so after a while I had to say, you know what? I'm gonna deliver these ideas myself. I'm fully fine with them being rejected, but there's no point in me being here if I'm going to be repeating and regurgitating new things, um, old, you know, old things, and we're supposed to bring the new, and there's literally no point in me being here if I'm not going to exercise this neurodivergent, and, and they were aware because I had to tell them because of all this stuff, this type of brain, this is how you move forward. This is how new ideas, this is how new technology comes about. This is how people yes. understand that the things even that you think are so weird and strange about me actually are in you, Sue, <laughs> right? Um, and so then you won't have to be so uncomfortable because you just understand for whatever reason, I just happen to come in still with these sensitivities and proclivities. But on some level, you have the same thing. And if you will just stop just being a clone and stop doing that hiding thing, then you will be um, more value to your the people in your world, society at large, and really, I want to say more value to yourself, mm -hmm. because we're always talking about the value we give to other people. No, you first. You partake first, and then others. But you can't do that if, if you won't accept um, uncomfortable ideas, if you push uncomfortable people away. But those people help you to be brave. Do you know how many people, how many therapists, even most of my clients were therapists in the brand that I've recently retired. Most of them were therapists. Now, mind you, I'm not a trained therapist. My degrees are in, my degrees are in business and theology. But here I am coming from a wisdom perspective, an observation perspective. And I'm telling you that my education is on the bottom rung of things that I value. And from that day in 2020, January 2020, coming forward and using my voice and valuing that, valuing my experiences and my perspective. Now, people that um, society holds in esteem of being the people that have the answers to their problems and all the spiritual things, those people are now coming to me and saying, thank you for helping me to find me. And now they're able to help the people that come to them better. You need neurodiversity. You need people that are neurodivergent to come out of the closet. They need to be welcome into society because otherwise we we continue the decline. I was gonna say decline. We continue the decline, right? The things that you want to change are actually that, on those people. 
they're we're the way showers yeah the sears and the way showers and sometimes the most frightening things for people who i think there are people who really aren't going to wake up in this lifetime i don't think that they're coded for it i think that there are people who are just average and there's nothing wrong with being average but sometimes those of us who are so different from average are scary to the ones who are average and it's not up to us to make it okay for them i think that we've done enough caretaking and i think that there is such great benefit to just saying what you think without i'm not saying that you have to punch people in the face with your words but i learned when i was in grad school i had to do a pre-doc internship at the um, university counseling center and i had to record on video all of my sessions and i was doing a session with a a grad student who was she was about my age but she looked like barbie goes to college she had her little argyle skirt on and she had her argyle socks on and whatever and you know she's making she looks so cute and she's making really dumb decisions like hitchhiking on the k10 and hanging out with creepy people and all these things and so my approach with her she was pretty intimidating actually and she was saying things in such a way that it was almost a challenge to she was challenging me to challenge her and i didn't take the challenge i was taking an approach of well, I'm going to just practice unconditional positive regard. So my supervisor is watching this video. She watches it for about five minutes and she's like, why aren't you saying what you think? And I said, well, I don't want her to be mad at me because I was really, she was, there was, there was an intimidation factor to her that I was like, like I could, I could get that sense that there was something else going on just beneath the surface that wasn't like a real angry hostility kind of situation. And um, my supervisor said to me, listen, she said, you will be a much better clinician and you will be sick less often if you would just say what you think yeah and from that moment on it wasn't that I was you know thinking it and then it's coming out with no filter but I would monitor how many times is this thought coming into my mind and after about two or three times then I would say it and it's gotten obviously it's been a long time since I was in an internship but it has gotten so much easier for me to just channel what comes through, what occurs to me in the moment. And that's so much more effective than couching and framing and playing a chess match in my head about how to say this so that it doesn't piss somebody off or so it doesn't make somebody uncomfortable or whatever it is. Yeah. So saying what we think and saying it in a way that is transparent and highest truth and with love and then leaving it up to the other person to take it, you know, if they're triggered, I'm not Nutella. Yeah. So interesting. I don't know if that lands for you. I just Oh, it does. No, it absolutely does. Um <clears throat> because it's like um I think we it is a good idea, you know, I try to watch these um you know, to project how I feel about things onto other people. But I think it's a good idea to remember um that when we have good intentions that we don't have to be concerned about speaking that truth because most of us on this side, we actually were leading because we can't help but lead. Like at least me, okay, I can't help. I I would I'm perfectly comfortable back here, <laughs> right? But um, but I'm naturally made for that. So we're not trying, and we 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 see leadership as a privilege. You know what I mean? It is a privilege 
It is a privilege for you to allow me to have any part of your time, which is your life. You'll never get that back. It is a privilege to me. And so from my perspective, I have to remember that I think deeply and I value deeply that anyone would ever give me any of their time, let alone their ear or to influence them. So when I say things, I have to remember that I am saying it from a right heart and that I am not responsible for um, how people interpret things based on their experience in life, experiences in life that called them to see that a certain way, the same way that I you know, saw things a certain way up until a certain point. You know what I mean? I had similarities, um, but no one was responsible for my triggers either, right? Um, and so I think it's important to know, like when we know that we're coming with a right heart and with love towards people and that we don't have negative intentions and that the intentions are pure, that just that alone is safety. Like it's not giving people safety by masking, shaping what would be most potent if we said it the way that we feel it in our spirit. Um, when we don't lead with the fact that the heart is pure, the heart is always pure. And uh, we're not always, what they do with that information is not always for us to see. Most times it's not. So even when it is, like even that's a privilege. Like I love that I get to see what people do with the things that I teach and share, right? Like, what are you gonna do with it? Like, ooh, what are you, what are you creating? <laughs> right? Yeah. How is your the life? Curiosity, the curiosity yeah. about how our words and how our actions, how our leadership influences thinking and behaviors and drives the future into existence. It's really precious. I want to talk to you about imposter syndrome. I think you've got a lot to say about that. Yeah. What do you think? What's Mm -hmm. imposter syndrome? How does that play into all these things we've been talking about with saying what you think and neurodivergence and spiritual awakenings? All the all the things, all the things, all the things, all <laughs> yes. the things. <laughs> so it's so funny. I was telling my daughter how it's so interesting. How uh, you know we think we're so smart sometimes, right? Um, because I met um, a person that we have in common who I highly, highly respect, and I met her in a, I think in a, a clubhouse room when they were talking about um, imposter syndrome. And so at that time, you know, I had been doing a lot of studies and different things on um, the mother wound and all that. I'm thinking, well, I really believe that this is more related to, oh, was it the reverse? I think it was the reverse. I think it was, they were talking about mother wounds and Mm -hmm. I kind of brought up the imposter syndrome. And I said, I don't think it's really truly imposter syndrome. I think it's related to this because X, Y, and Z, you know, and you think you're so smart because you're connecting these dots. And then you come to the book that show has all of the stuff that you thought that you, all the ideas that you thought you came up with. Uh, But it's so great when it's, uh, when it's confirmed, you know, when you get these things from that way. But I think that the people that have quote unquote imposter syndrome are most often the most qualified person in the room for whatever the hell it is they're talking about. And I think it's that, that, that small, the imposter is that small voice that's telling them the, that they're the imposter. The real person is the one who shows up despite being afraid. Like that's, 
that's the person, the person in the room that, that shows up anyway, even though they feel like I'm not as qualified, like, oh my God, I don't make as much money as these people. How do I even get in this room? And okay, and again, I'm mm-hmm. talking for myself, like, <laughs> right? But yet you are supposed to be in that room. Mm-hmm. You are supposed to be around those people. Frequency wise, you're most certainly are because there's no other reason for the connection other than you need frequency wise. Right. You couldn't, if that weren't the case, mm-hmm. you wouldn't be there. Right. They wouldn't allow you in. Like attracts like. So all of the things that you're looking at are irrelevant. And I think if we, you know, oftentimes look at it at that perspective, like the imposter really is the person who's telling you that you're the imposter. That's the imposter. Don't you? Yeah. There are a couple of things that occur to me as I'm listening to you. One is that it's interesting to me how the women in particular who are the most educated have the most credentials, have some of the brightest intellects, the, the highest intuition are the ones who feel like they need more, that they're not qualified, yep. that somebody's going to find out. And they're the ones who will say, not all, not all of us, but I think that I've had that experience of having the imposter syndrome. Probably you have as well, and probably oh, many definitely. of our listeners have. And a psychological strategy that I learned from my mentor, who I wrote my book with, she said, she's a psychologist from way back from, she's got her, she's been a psychologist since like the late seventies. She said, whenever she walked into a room and she felt like an imposter, she just always assumed that everyone else in the room was the imposter. Mm. In other words, she, she, she said, I felt like those feelings were being projected onto me rather than coming from within me. Mm. Okay. And I, I like that because I think that there, there is a lot of just the energy of imposter running around the planet. Yeah. And when we as intuitive people take that on as our own, we really have to look at before we take it on as our own, is this even mine or is it somebody else's? Is it coming from inside of me or outside of me? And most likely it's coming from outside. Yeah. And oh. to your point, when you're so different, when you think differently, when you your perspective, your worldview is different. Feeling like an imposter is kind of to be expected, but are you an imposter? Or are you just a visitor? Mm, I like that. I think just a visitor. Um, it's or an observer like, or a, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, I do. Be in this world, but not of it. I still I like that. Say, that's exactly what I was going to say. Yeah. Cause I, I, um, you know, I've had a re- revelation about that and so many others. I'm so grateful for my, my background. Um, you know, as so I was a Christian for 20 years and I'm so grateful for that, my background because, um, it's just in me, right? Like it's mm-hmm. in my pores. It's embodied. And, yeah. 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 And it just, it makes so much sense. And if it's not broken, you don't need to fix it. You know, sometimes we just need to look at it a different way. Um, but yeah, definitely just students um, of life, of our own lives, and of the lives of other people. Um, I'm learning that very much. And as it relates to those things, also, I'm learning to, oh, it's so interesting, like, uh, I'm learning to lessen my importance here 
I'm, I'm learning to lessen my importance here because there's also something about that, you know, being an imposter or feeling like an imposter that you feel like, okay, but you have to kind of show up and you have to still do the thing and you have to um, make people aware or try to shape the thoughts of you that you're projecting from my perspective, that you're projecting onto them about being an imposter because you don't want them to realize. But then also that's like, that's having too high of an importance on how people see you in general, like how they see you, how they receive you, how they think about you. I'm learning to lessen that um, so that I can receive more from them classroom wise. And, and, and I know that probably sounds odd because I think there's something about us um, that's giving, like naturally giving, 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 nurturing in all forms, food, care, spiritual, loving, hugs, all the things. Um, but then there's a part of that, maybe that's connected to imposter syndrome that has us, I'm just gonna go with the words that are coming to me, pretending to be more important than we are um, and oftentimes hiding behind these degrees and our statuses and all those things, I really just, I'm just, I'm over it. And, you know, most people don't even tell them about those things and lowering my importance so that I can be a better student so that I can learn more and faster and be more of a help to myself and to other people. And that for me personally, that requires me being less important than I was before trying to not trying to pretend that I wasn't feeling like an imposter. Does that make sense? Well, what I'm hearing you say is that there's, it's almost like an ego death. When you're letting go of degrees and credentials and all of the things and just allowing yourself to be, it's not that you're not important, we're all important. But the words that are coming through are leveling the playing field so that you can be a contribution and also master what you came here to master without those, um, those defenses that we put around ourselves. Those, those, you know, they're all proof. It's social proof. I have my PhD, I have my master's, I have my this, I have my that. And it, it creates a barrier between you and not you, but between the person and the lived experience of being a human with a, with a soul that's eternal. Yeah. Well, I think for me, I haven't, like, I honestly, I was just talking to my daughter about this. I haven't give, given a damn about these things, like, forever, mm-hmm. like, forever. Like, it's, I was one of those weird kids who got A's all through high school until I realized why we were going to school. Like, when I realized it was for a job, I'm just like, really, really, are you, are you serious? And so <laughs> I actually, <laughs> and so I actually ended up um, completing high school, like a C, like I barely even got through. Cause I'm just like, this is some bull. Like, this is stupid. And even that first year it's like, uh, they're like, okay, well B, you need to dress for gym. I'm like, I don't want to dress for gym. Why? Cause it's the first thing in the morning. I just had a shower. My clothes are not going to fit the same. I don't understand why we need to do this. And it just doesn't make any sense to me. Well, if you will just dress, we'll give you a C. If I will conform, then you'll give me a passing grade. Yeah, no, I'm good. So <laughs> So this whole like not caring thing has been a while, but we still, you still, you know, accumulate them, you know, um, they mean more to other people than they have ever meant to me, basically is what I'm saying, um, ever. However, and I honestly, I don't really hold, 
I have to force myself to see past people's projection of their importance when they tell me about their degrees, mm-hmm. because I know what that is. But for me personally, I don't think that it's, um, I, I'm not sure that I believe in an ego death per se. Um, so I think it's useful for us in a lot of ways. I don't think there's any part of me personally that is not important to me and that is not um, useful and supposed to be there. But it's just, I wanna be a better, um, I'm a pretty good student of life, but I wanna be a better student of life. I want to be a better observer of life. I want to be more, I want to learn more from the people that insist that they have everything to learn from me. You know what I mean? Because people will insist that you have more spiritual access. No, I might be more spiritual sensitive for whatever reason, but guess what? If you make the decision and you spend the time and you do the things, then we'll be, we'll be talking, you know, Brain to brain, okay? We'll be doing a whole different thing where we don't even have to use words. I just think that we're all very similar in that. But I think um, for me personally, it's it's a time for me to have uh, be more of a student. Um, and that requires me within kind of taking a, a back seat. I'm still out there. You're still who you are. It's, you know, this is, it's your time, you know. I've been working my way for two years to come out, but then there's a part of me and I'm going to show up and I continue showing up, but there's a part of me that knows that, yes, of course, we're all important, but for me out here, how people see me, how they insist, it's not important to me and it is not, it is not as valuable to me as me understanding that it's a privilege that they would even listen to me at all just because they haven't realized that we are very similar and we are one of the same and that they have things that they can teach me as well is irrelevant. I know, I know. And so maybe for me and maybe for them also, maybe that's why personally I feel right now that it's time for me to kind of, uh, and, I, and you know, in some sense, I think that you know, a lot of challenges will become less because I'm taking that position to lessen the importance of most things about how people perceive me, about life. You know, you gotta live, you gotta work, you gotta, you gotta get your money, you gotta get your shmoneys. Um, But there's something that's happening in me. I'm just like, I don't know, what is this B 2.0, 3.04? Who knows? This chick is always doing something. Uh, personal development. Always evolving. Yeah, always, always evolving. evolving. Open, I'm open. And so yeah. this part of the journey is like, decide to be less important for a minute and be more of a student even if people don't realize that they're teaching you Mm. b thank you it's been such a joy to have you here with us where can people find you you can find me on social media at b jackson official pretty much everywhere right now um where's your favorite place to hang out tiktok um well tiktok is where my following is the largest but i, I know they're like where the hell is b hey. you know, b, b is, is considering a lot of things you know uh 
I'm being very mindful about how I show up, when I show up, what's the purpose of me showing up, who's going to benefit from me showing up, who am I blessing today and why and how and all the things. Um, but my following is on TikTok, um, my largest following on TikTok. Um, Facebook is where you'll get the real personal juicy things as I'm learning them and, um, and being very transparent about that because uh, I feel that it just helps people when they see people like myself who they assume have it all together. Um, when they understand that I too am a human being and learning and figuring things out and changing and evolving. So um, Facebook, uh, friend me on Facebook or follow my Facebook uh, business page at the Jackson official um, is how you can uh, connect with me. So grateful that you're here with us today. I'm so looking forward to asked. see. Oh my gosh, it's just been a great conversation and I can't wait to see how things continue to evolve. And I'm so um, I'm going to use the word grateful again, because that's the only thing that's coming through grateful that you're doing your work in the world and being a student and also being a teacher and a leader. It's, you're a lighthouse, and I'm glad that you're here. Oh, thank you so much. I really appreciate it. And uh, I thank you for just being you and uh, you being you allowed me to say something that I thought I would never say. <laughs> <laughs> that I would never share, but I think well, perhaps that's just um, why we connected and, you know, maybe one of the reasons why you asked me to share on your show. So thank you so much yeah, for allowing me to come out even more so. You're welcome. Yeah. Big love to you. Thank you everyone for joining, joining us and we will see you next time. Thank you so much. Well, there you have it. Another episode of Mindset Rx is in the books. Let me know if this was helpful. If you found it inspiring, be sure to share it to social media. And if you think someone in your life would appreciate it, then send them the link. And if you do share it on social media, be sure to tag me at Dr.RobinMcKay. Okay, that's going to be it for today's episode. If you loved what you learned today, I'd love it if you'd leave a review on the podcast so that more people can join us on this journey. Thanks so much for tuning in, and I will chat with you again next time.